Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. Uh, my name is Kyle, and I have been a super slacker host, and uh, I've been sitting on this episode for a really, really long time. Um, back in October of 2011, I recorded an interview with Norman England uh, when I was in Japan, and I have just, you know, I've scheduled so much like content for the for the podcast that I just haven't gotten around to posting it as an episode. Uh, but I'm going to rectify that problem right now. Um, not now, exactly. I have a couple of tracks of greatness that I wanted to play, so those actually come first. Uh, it is a long episode, or a long interview, so it's going to be a little long. I know I don't need to apologize, but uh, let's just get on with things. And uh, I just wanted to ask, are you prepared for the most shocking name in two million years? <laughs> skyscraper. When he moves, the whole earth quivers and quakes, and an abyss of horror opens up. See these prehistoric beasts emerge from the bowels of the earth after 200 million years to devastate mankind. Supersonic jets cannot catch him. Rockets cannot stop him. 
helpless before him. Even guided missiles are powerless. See Rodin destroy a modern city, leveling it to the earth with a killing airstream of his mighty wings. Nothing can stop him. Nothing escapes this monstrous beast of evil. You. You're convinced these designs will hold up an application. Ten years of lab study back it up. Realize, this will be the most powerful weapon the world will ever see.
So, if you could not tell, uh, I started that off with a U.S. trailer audio for Rodan, which, you know, is one of my favorite films. The the big nostalgia kaiju film for me, uh, as I've said many times in the podcast. Uh, and then I followed that up, uh, only two tracks for this little intro bit. I followed that up with Project Kyojo's Design for Destruction. Now, that's by Big Pimp Jones. Uh, you heard me talk about Terror Mountain Showdown uh, a couple of episodes ago. Well, this is the second CD that uh, Keith from Big Pimp Jones gave me when we met up in San Francisco. I will have a link in the show notes to that, uh, just so if you liked what you heard, you can go check that out, because it's actually, both CDs are very, very good. Uh, now let's move on to the interview, the special guest, as it were, in a sense, sort of for this episode. Um, even though I had never actually met or, uh, geez, even though I had never actually met Norman, I was definitely quite familiar with his, uh, his work, his photo documentation for magazines, his cameos in some of my favorite Godzilla movies and his contributions to, uh, online media, like henching online. Um, so when it was time for me to visit, to visit the land of the rising sun, I knew I had to talk with him. Uh, now this was just recorded in my hotel room, so the audio is not optimal. And at one point, the um, <clears throat> recorder filled up, and I had to stop, and we had to sort of rewind the conversation in a sense. Uh, uh, it was kind of lame, but uh, all you know, all part of me feeling very unprofessional at the time that I was in Japan for that one extra day. Uh, but despite those misgivings, Norman was uh, totally cool and was a lot of fun to talk with and hang out with. And um, since I was on the tail end of a very, very, very long day for me, uh, very, very long, two days, actually, you can probably tell that I am a little tired. Uh, good thing Norman was on the ball. I am sitting with Norman England. And Norman, how long have you been living in Japan now? I've been in Japan since 1993, so I guess it's like, yeah, over 18 years now. Wow. Okay, so if you're a Godzilla fan, uh, there's a very good chance that you know Norman's work if you don't know exactly who he is. You've worked for Fangoria. You still work for Fangoria? Or I still write for Fangoria, not kaiju stuff, but uh, my actually my first Fangoria piece was an interview with Kaneko. Mm. I guess that was uh, in between Gamera 2 and Gamera 3 over at Nikatsu. And that was, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, 1998 All right. or something like that. So yeah. since like 98, he's been working and writing for Fangoria and he's been living in Japan and he's been on just about all the Godzilla sets since 99 or since like uh, All the millennium. Yeah, I mean, I, I put in about... I don't know, 150 days of my life on Godzilla set, so... And, and he's covered all that, so it's very easy to find his work online. And then recently, you've been working with some of the horror genre stuff in, uh, in town right. here. And I mean, mostly, like... I, I like the kaiju stuff. There's just nothing going on. Right. I mean, the kaiju... There is stuff. I will say, kaiju's not dead in Japan. I mean, at the moment, it's been... Uh, I mean, you have Ultraman stuff. I'm not mm -hmm. the most knowledgeable person on Ultraman. Me neither. But, uh, okay, I'm like a Godzilla Gamera snob, yeah. basically. <laughs> no, but, I mean, I, I, you know, I respect all the stuff. I mean, I'm from New York. I'm from New York. One of the differences between New York, say, and California was we never had Ultraman on TV. Mm. So I never saw Ultraman really until 
other than like the scene in Midnight Cowboy, there's like Ultramans on a TV in the background. Yeah. There's like, and maybe a couple pictures in magazines, but it wasn't until like I had a girlfriend in New York and she had some Ultraman on videotapes that she had brought from Japan. She's like, check this stuff out. I'm like, oh, that's like kind of like Godzilla, but something a little different about it, you know? So, yeah, I'm sure if I'd watched it as a kid, I would be like, yeah, you know, that's, like yeah, that's why yeah, I, yeah a lot of the West Coast people and Hawaii fans for Ultraman there that's where you find the most concentration. But um, no, I mean the but there are some major studios that are talking about doing a kaiju film coming up. I mean, I I really can't talk about it, but I I can't say this the the genre is not completely dead. The other people picking it up there are a lot of these like fans fan made films. Mm -hmm. Um, like my friend Taguchi, he did the G movie. If you've seen G, no, I haven't seen G. Well, Taguchi is—I've uh, known Taguchi since the set of uh, Mega Giras, and he was a, an assistant director on that. I guess he was twenty at the time. Okay. And then, when Godzilla was off season, he would make short films. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I was an actor in two of them, and then he. Yeah, I guess on GMK, he was also Kamiya's fourth AD. And then after GMK, he got switched to um, the art department on Godzilla. So it, he would make films when Godzilla was shut down mm -hmm. and get people from the art department. And he worked on... Uh, his, his big one was this film called G. I'm surprised that you don't know it because yeah. it's like... His effects are really great. Yeah. And it, I guess he spent like six years making the thing. Um, and a lot of the, but it, what's the the live action scenes? I mean, it's like friends of his from school and stuff playing older people. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, like you know, baking powder in the hair right, right. for gray hair and stuff. And yeah, actually, Taguchi told me he showed it to Kawakita. The film was actually quite successful as a indies kind of kaiju film. Mm -hmm. We showed it to Kawakita. Kawakita is like. He's like, I want to take out all the human scenes, just keep the effect scenes. Because Taguchi's really good. And then he did the um, Geihara. Is that the, the one for yes. NHK? Oh, that, that, I, I mean, love that, and that's, that. Yeah, that's Taguchi's. That's, uh, I, okay. I talked... I, and he got about... Geihara because yeah. um, G was so um, well-received. Okay. I did the subtitles for G. I feel like I have seen that reference and it's like on my list. I've never seen Riega or Riego or Oh right. Right, 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 right. I have them. They're ready to watch. Right. Um, I'll tell you something about that. The, the first one. Okay. To completely jump around. Me and Kaneko there was a screening of Gamma 3. I guess it was like two years ago. Okay. And Ikebukuro. So Kaneko called me up. Yeah, Gamma 3 is showing. And like um, 3 a.m. I'm like, what? No, it, it was, yeah. And Godzilla was showing at midnight. Hmm. I was like, he's, and they're going to show the Rego. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's uh, the director, Hayashi. He's like, yeah, why don't you come with me? I'm like, okay, fine. Because I'm going to do like a, a stage show for the thing. So we go over to the place, and Hotaru was there, Yukijiro. Because he also did. Hayashi also did Gamera 4. He oh, did the, yes, you know, the, that's right. The Gamera okay. 4 thing, and Hotaru is in all of uh, 
you know the gamma uh, the gamma films and I hope yeah. that was in my first film the idol oh uh, he plays the inspector right? yeah, yeah in the gamma yeah. films okay. so I hope that was eh, how you doing and uh, Amamia Keita was there because mm-hmm. he did the designs for the the Godzilla like um, creature in in that film but so I, I'm sit so I sit down me and Kaneko we go in we watch the film with the audience and there's this like there's a character named Norman in the thing and I'm like no no way we come back and then Hayashi goes, you, you check that out that's you man I wrote that for you because <laughs> he wanted me to actually be the actor playing yeah. the part but I think he shot the film in like four or five days and yeah. it was just too much dialogue I'm really not a you know even though I've done acting in these films I'm not really an actor right you know it's usually like like in uh, Final Wars you know I, I say like three words not final words, excuse me, in Tokyo, uh, Tokyo SOS. SOS, you know, <laughs> and actually... I did the, a mental double take. Uh, sorry, I'm like, not final words, <laughs> no. And, yeah, and actually, there, there's also another good one, because I, I had no dialogue to begin with, but this other guy, these uh, quote-unquote professional actors that they got, yeah. um, the guy just couldn't deliver the line. Mm-hmm. And Tezuka's coming up to me, he's like, Norman, can you tell him how to say the line? So I'm like, here's how you say the line. And the guy does it, and it's like, I mean, my delivery's not good. This guy was worse. So he did that like three times, and Tezuka's like, whatever, switch. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, oh, okay. And the guy was so mortified. Oh, you know, he, oh. we switched chairs. Oh, wow. I got his dialogue, and I'm like, that show business, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm saying so, yeah, that, I mean, that's uh, business. Yeah, so the. Um, the kind of recent kaiju films the torch has been picked up just by fans Mm -hmm. you know doing what they can and you know some of them like taguchi has been able to do some pro type of stuff like he did that was like a short film for nhk which i was supposed to go to the set to but i kind of got busy with something else and now i kind of regret that i didn't go to the um and he worked with uh shinji is it haraguchi higuchi yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's such a small world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've seen people online saying, you know, Toho should make all these kaiju films. But one of the problems is there just not, there isn't there aren't enough trained people mm-hmm. to make these films. You know, and that was one of the things on, um, like, say, Death Kappa, and what's happening, which is kind of a shame, is. Um, the people that know how to do these effects are getting less and less all the time. Mm-hmm. And there really isn't um, any, anybody new being taught these, yeah. um, you know, these hand, handcrafted um, methods and stuff. And that's one of the things, like Mike, who's in my um, Bringing Godzilla Down to Size. I mean, Mike is really like, I mean, Mike is a little younger than me, so I'd say Mike is like, uh, he's 49 or 50. He also did the Daimajin, which I haven't seen, but they oh, did a the the TV show that mm-hmm. they just had on that. Um, hey, Miike is who again now? Uh, he's she... the art director for okay. Gamera series, and then um, he was art director in all the Millenniums except for um, Godzilla 2000, okay. which was uh, Isao. He he, for whatever reason, he was the man in charge that year. Mm-hmm. Then he was always second after that okay. um, yeah so there's been a, yeah, a couple little things here and there and, and sometimes the, these guys will help out you know just to sort of keep, keep it going you know 
but there seems to be a couple things you know I've been hearing when I'm going to the studios I, I hear people talking about things so I, 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 I six months or a year ago I would have said the genre is completely dead mm -hmm. but now it seems like and maybe it's just also the new US Godzilla mm -hmm. acting as a catalyst yeah, yeah, right so I mean that who knows I mean, if they do it right, it could be it could have a good effect in Japan. So I, I really think that, um, you know, people in the U.S., you know, kaiju fans in the U.S. should try to support the film. Of course, if the film is no good, you got to call it like you see it. Right. But if that movie is good, it's only going to have a good effect in Japan. Right. You know, because I was here when the U.S. Godzilla. Um, played here and kind of it was really like like just an ice pick in the heart of you know Godzilla fans in Japan because if the US got if the if the US could do a really good kaiju film show the real potential mm -hmm. you know because it's been you know Japan hasn't really been made a kaiju film that's used modern filmmaking techniques I mean they did great kaiju stuff in the 50s and 60s but the special effect techniques, you know, Japan has really fallen behind. So it was like the U.S. Godzilla was like a chance to show this is what kaiju can look like for the 21st century, right. and it totally didn't. So yeah. it's almost like the message was like it has no value in the 21st century. Yeah. And that was the kind of what the message was here, you know. So that's okay. why if the U.S. can do a really good one, then it can prove to the skeptics here and also make you know the fans here know yeah our, our genre that we love is still viable mm -hmm. you know and then if they feel it's viable we can see more japanese productions of kaiju films yeah i think for for fans of the genre the the u.s film being uh sorry the 1998 u.s film being bad almost made uh the Millennium series seem like, oh, well, here's how we make kaiju movies, you know. And a reaction like, to that. A reaction to it. Yeah. But it makes sense that, I mean, because in, uh, from where I sit and where I, you know, watch the Millennium series happen from across the pond. I don't know, do we call it pond? I think that's between, that's, like, that's New between, York and like, England. <laughs> across the Pacific uh, in, in the U.S., like, it seemed to me that the Millennium series wasn't doing as well as as it should have or as as well um, in the theaters as we wanted it as, you know, kaiju fans. Well, I think as wanted Toho it wanted as it Toho too. Wanted, yeah. <laughs> They're the ones who want to make money yeah. out of these things. Uh, they need to get the, the butts in the seats and it wasn't happening, right? So, Actually, so this is a question that sort of has been kicked around a few times on, on the show. It's like, what does it what would it take, and we specifically have been talking about Godzilla, but what would it take for a Godzilla film to be relevant and interesting to Japanese audiences? Like, um, it, it seems that every time Godzilla comes back, there's he's sort of like the main titular monster. Right. Or, or I don't know, you get... He's well, like I, the main I, character yeah. almost. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's almost in a way that Godzilla is kind of like Star Wars, mm -hmm. and you have like a very vocal and uh, fan base. So, um, 
I mean, it's very that's a very difficult question to answer because, yeah. um, I mean, that was one of the things like uh, Kaneko did in GMK with uh, uh, Sano Shiro, his character, the the guy that was running the TV station, and he's like, ah, uh, kaiju are passe, yes, you know, and kaiju are kind of seen as passe in, in Japan, you know. I mean, we've really. You know, I mean, it's a metaphor for, you know, um, atomic radiation. I mean, mm -hmm. now we're, all of us here are kind of right. dealing with that again. Um, you know, so I think the whole, it would be like, it would be kind of like to Japanese, it would be like, let's say you take like the movie Them, uh, with the, the giant spiders, oh, the spider uh, not spiders, actually, the giant ants, you take them, and then someone made a sequel to them, and then the sequel's been going on and on and on and on, and the metaphor has been like, you know, atomic testing in, you know, the desert, California desert, and, you know, these creatures, it would be like, yeah, we get it already. Mm -hmm. So, fans, I mean, fans can't get enough, right? but it's not really about appealing to the fans because there isn't a big enough fan it's not that's where it's different from Star Wars it's not a big enough fan base that you know you can make a film and you know that you're going to get a whole ton of people right. coming into the audience just because you make that film and you it's make got that film. the name Star Wars on yeah. it you're going to get a ton of people but that, yeah. Yeah. well and the, the difference too with, with Star Wars and Godzilla is I mean Star Wars will always have the money to really put it up on screen you know, yeah, I think that guy has a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, so they can really at least they can make a spectacle, a visual spectacle out of Star Wars, whether you like the films or not. You know, the new films, right? Um, you know, you still, you know, you can maintain an interest just visually. You know, yes. and it's much yeah. more difficult here, and the the effects are old fashioned. You know, I mean, I love them. I'm a, I'm a big fan of practical effects. Um, yeah. CG, I really am not. I've never been. I mean, I've seen some CG that I like, and I, and you're talking to the guy. I mean, I saw a Tron on opening day. Yeah. And I've always been eager to see CG work, mm -hmm. and I like full CG stuff. But it's just I hate it when I go to a set. And it's like, oh, we're going to use CG blood. It's like. I do a lot of set photography. It's like, well, that doesn't do anything for me, right? You know, and 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 you know, and one of the things, I'm sorry, I'm completely jumping around here. But no, one no, of the things is, I, I wanted okay. this to be more conversational. One of the things that I I think that people who like Godzilla films, um, whether they realize it or they they don't, and when these effects are shot, there's a there's a an element, an unpredictable element behind them. You know, they don't know how these things are going to react. You know, I've been right. on the sets, you know, I, uh, so many times, so many explosions, you know. Okay, you know, rehearse it, okay, um, Kitagawa is going to step on this building. Mm -hmm. You know, so like Wakasa, I mean, for example, so Wakasa made his like Nakajima pants for him, you know, and you get my foot there like that, and everything's wired up, and they got the guy on what they call the shamisen, which is... Um, the thing that it, it, how can I describe it in words? It's like a box with all these wires on the thing. Oh, on it with the and it's got like a contact. Yeah, the other cord, yeah, yep. contact thing, and you know, and he's got to pull that thing around, you know, pull the the contact thing across the thing right when the thing is going down. So it's like this whole coordination of different people, 
And there's, so there's this unpredictable element in that when it works, it really works well. Mm-hmm. And that's really, for me, what the joy of the Godzilla films is knowing that these things, you know, there's this, you know, I can't tell you how many times I saw things get screwed up yeah. on the set. And one story that comes to mind, okay, GMK, the hospital, the tail on the hospital. Yes. When that crashed into the hospital. Okay, yes. That was, you know, it was, it was a really long day. I got there, 8 a.m., they're going to do the hospital shooting. It, it didn't get, like, prepared. I mean, there's other stuff that went on. And the hospital scene was set for the, the evening scene. Usually there'll be, like, one scene in the morning, one shot in the afternoon, one shot at evening. That would be a good day. Mm, and it's all just setting up. Yeah, setting up, shooting it, you know, and like this. So then, and I was like ready to go home. It's like, okay, let's do the tail thing. The guys, they had the, just the tail piece. And the hospital set up, everything set up. Guy swings the tail, crashes right into it. The, the hospital just goes, eh, like leans <laughs> on the side. I got like these great shots. It's like Kamiya, everyone's standing around with these, like these really like, what are we going to do? <laughs> You know, and then, you know, they had to, like, that's why if you watch the scene, then they had to, like, do another kind of take. It looks fine on the thing, but that's yeah. one of the things that's also cool. Like, when you do CG, you work it out, you, you, you get the whole thing, comes out exactly how you plan it. So there, there isn't that kind of special magic between mm-hmm. those things. Um, actually, one other set story that I like, because this yeah. is in um, uh, Mechagodzilla, the first one. There's, this, there's a, 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 a destruction scene that didn't make it into the film. It was like one of the last, it was like the second to the last day of shooting. And I think, what was it? I have photos somewhere on my computer, but I think it was like Mechagodzilla fell on this building and they had the guy with the, the box, you know, the detonator yeah. box. Oh, it was his tail. That's what it was. It was Mechagodzilla's tail supposed to crash down on this building. So, you know, had the tail piece and there would be just the tail with like a, uh, a wood pole sticking out, yeah. like a broom pole sticking out yeah. at the bottom. The guy would smash it on. And everyone was kind of in a goofy mood. You know, the film's about to wrap, whatever. You know, and they're all a bunch. I don't want to, uh, degenerates isn't the word. I mean, everyone that works on the set is not your normal type of person you know they're everyone's kind of outcasts and misfits on the sets you know um and no and they're it's an interesting group of people but so they get the guy the guy get the tail tail comes down before the thing is even contacted the guy detonated the 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 thing that totally totally blew up it was just so obvious like and then the the tail smashes on the thing everyone just started cracking up <laughs> Because yeah, it take it took like a, a full day to get this thing, and then building the miniature mm-hmm. itself. I mean, you have to use special material for the breakaway buildings. I mean, and those things take weeks to make because they've got to dry, yep. you know, mold them, set the whole thing, dry them, you know. And it was just like the guys, just like man, I screwed that up, you know. <laughs> and then we everyone gathered around the monitor to watch the monitor. And it was just like, and uh, uh, Kikuchi was the director. It was just like unusable you know yeah. and everyone it was just kind of maybe if it was like earlier in the film people would have been annoyed but it was just like oh we got enough stuff yeah. you know it was really just like sweetener because yeah. all it was was just like his tail smashes on a building yeah. and they know? filmed that in high speed too right like yeah they might have so. but they might have just done that like double speed mm-hmm. when i was saying the high speed earlier i mean that's when like like landmark tower when it's like a real big explosion when they're okay. doing when they're just doing like the 
the kaiju falling down, they'll do those like double speed or something like that. But I'm talking about when they have to do like, I don't know what, the, I have it written down somewhere, but yeah. it might be like, you know, several hundred frames a second. Oh, wow. Something, you know, and that, that and those are like very special cameras and stuff. Yeah. No, I was just I was saying the speed thing so that even if he sets it off, if the explosion goes off before the tail hits, it still takes twice as long for it to happen and when you're oh okay no i mean it it was just the way it was angled i mean it was just like no way you could get and actually here's here's an interesting thing that when like the landmark tower explosion in gmk disappointed everybody it didn't Hmm. go as it was supposed to and i there was another day with a lot of long faces Mm -hmm. and then i was talking to iso and because I think I had just watched, like rewatched Godzilla 2000, like uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. So fresh in my mind was the, you know, when the UFO lands on the building and that thing's just like, oh yeah, 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 down like that. I was like, and I and I said to Isao, I was like, man, that was an awesome explosion. Why was that so good? And this one, like this, he goes, who knows? Yeah, and that's. That's the thing. I was like, yeah, you know, that's the thing I like about it. even when it's a failure, you know, it's still got this human element behind it. Right. You know, so I always remember that he said, yeah, who knows why that one was, that one worked and this one worked because you have so many different things going on and you just, you know, I mean, it's like when you're a kid, you're making, you, you open an M80 and you, you do something yeah. with it, you know, and you know, who knows what's going to happen with the thing. You hope it's going to look cool, you so, know. Yeah, sometimes you blow up your toys, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you, you blow up your hand. <laughs> so you, along with Ed and Steve, produced Bringing Godzilla Down to Size, which is, um, I definitely consider to be the best Godzilla documentary out there. And it was very engaging. I think, it's, as documentaries go, it was extremely well done. And, um, I mean, you... You guys talked to a lot of the, the people on staff and a lot of people who were also working on the film, just like you were on, on set a lot. So uh, how did that start? Okay. No, I mean, that started with um, Ed. Um, Ed comes to Japan quite often. So Ed was coming to Japan, and sometimes we would go over to Inoue's house, who is the art director on the old things. It's kind of actually interesting. Um they all retired from the Godzilla stuff, the whole art, you know, like the original arts department. And they pretty much all live in the same neighborhood together and they hang mm-hmm. out all the time. So it's like, I mean, you know, back in the old days, in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, well, everything collapsed in 72. Right. But I mean, it was like, you know, like at Toho, at their peak, it was like every day, like 3,000, 4,000 people are going to that studio wow. over there. I mean, today is like nothing like that. I mean, and you know, the people were really loyal because it was like only Toho people made Toho films. Everything was 100% in-house. So there's a lot of pride. You know, now it's all freelancers. Right. You know, people right. come, people go. It depends on the production. I mean, I think it's like that all around the world now. So these guys really felt a strong, you know, loyalty and strong kinship. And I think it's really kind of cute in a way. They retired and they all like, or they're all in the same neighborhood together, yeah, you know? So, no, that's really great. We should all be so lucky. Yeah, you know? absolutely, yeah. Um, so, you know, then Ed had an idea. That he had, him and Steve had been doing commentaries for classic media. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they won the Saturn Saturn Award for I guess one of the discs that they did or maybe as a whole I, I can't remember and then they Ed was over in Japan and he, and he had been over at Inoue's and he was shooting some like handy cam stuff he says yeah you know we're thinking to do like video interviews with everything and I was listening to Ed and I was like you know Ed yeah, that's really good good idea you know go the next step not just the audio commentaries but to actually talk to you know the people here and it's like why don't you just direct the thing and it's like oh, that sounds kind of good I could do that um, but you know I mean I gotta have a budget you know we have to do this and this and so there was a lot of kind of uh, negotiating back and forth mm -hmm. with the office in New York and then finally we came to an agreement you know on what the budget would be and then with with my production budget then I was able to hire a professional crew people that I work with all the time so I you know in the end Ed and C were really like they had no idea that it would turn out to be like it turned out right um, so they were extremely happy with the whole thing um, yeah I'm really happy with how it came out I mean shooting the thing was really fun I mean, it was probably the most enjoyable thing I've shot. I shoot, um, like any director, I try to shoot as much narrative as I can. And, and this is the first documentary I ever made. And narrative is really stressful. I mean, because you're really like, you know, watching every little nuance. Man, the documentary was just like, yeah, this is cool. How you doing? Yeah, let's shoot the thing. Let's get the thing set up. You know, and so I was really able to enjoy you know, without that kind of high pressure from, you know, having to work with actors and stuff like that. So, um, well, basically, I mean, we spent a week, a little under a week, I guess, six days shooting the thing. It was like five days of interviews, one day of doing pickup shots around Tokyo and stuff. And, um, yeah, we started the shoot out over at um, uh, Akira Takarada's place. Mm -hmm. And kind of the reason that I picked him was, you know, I've, I've met him before, he's a real fun guy. I mean, he's a real sweet, warm, engaging guy. I thought he'd be a really good way to start the whole thing off, and it was. I mean, we had a great time. We went over. He was so thrilled to have us. You know, we did the interview. Um, yeah, he, he really, yeah. If you look at that, if you look at the, he's got the Godzilla, um, final set whatever that dvd they came out with every oh, single yeah, with the, the big head stuff, yeah perfect yeah. Box, the, the head that shinada had made so we had that in the background and i think yeah there's like the one of the what's that toho film the poster behind is one of the the, the last the final war the last war i think it's called the toho oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah and ed had just bought that poster <laughs> and we're like yeah let's slap that up on the wall on that yeah but it, it really Ed's personal collection has right. set dressing right. So, no, it really, because I remember, like, when Kaneko shot GMK, mm -hmm. and the first day of shooting G GMK was he used Hotaru Yukijiro for the first day of shooting. I'm asking, you know, why did you use him on the first day of shooting? It's like, because he's really fun, and he's really got a lot of energy, and it has a really good effect on the crew, you know, to start yeah. off a, a shoot with somebody that's, like, that energetic. And I was like, yeah, oh, that's, I'm going to use that. You know, so I used that on this, and it really set the tone for um, the rest of the shoot. I mean, everybody was great. I mean, nobody, um, everybody was very forthcoming, easy to work with. 
Um, I was very happy to work with Tsuchiya, who's a completely amazing actor. You know, um, he, um, you know, w one of the things like when I was editing the thing and I was reviewing, it's like looking at Tsuchiya, you could see it's like, oh yeah, you know, Tsuchiya, he's really, he, he delivered a performance on his interview. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about him. Um, more than even the other actors that were on that. I mean, Tsuchiya was really kind of delivering his lines. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's what makes it really enjoyable. I mean, that's the thing. And I cut some of the... I edited some of it to his acting beats, which makes the, the film more enjoyable. And one of the one of the things in Japan that's kind of a problem with documentaries in Japan is that they're really dry. Yes. You know, and there's like guys sitting there talking. One of one of the things I said to Ed is like, I do not want to do that kind of thing. And actually, I had watched there was this amazing Superman docu uh, doc documentary that had come out just before we had done ours. I guess when the the last Superman movie came out. Right. Uh, Superman Returns, Return, right? Right, 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 yeah. right, right, yeah. And um, Kevin Spacey is the narrator on the thing. Man, I saw that thing. This is like incredibly well edited. So I, you know, I made everybody watch this thing, you know, because it was like, this is how you do it. I mean, yeah. lots of graphics. I mean, the graphics, are, we didn't have the budget to go as far as they did. I mean, we did have, you know, a budget for our editor and for doing stuff. He was extremely overworked. But, you know, I mean... You know, it was still maybe we're like a, a Godzilla film. We had a limited budget. You know, we're trying to do <laughs> more than we could do with what we had. But you know, I mean, we all worked. You know, and and I think we pulled it off. But I mean, that was one of the first things. It was like I don't want to just do a bunch of guys sitting around. You know, we have to do physical things. You know, we have to get people that are engaging. Um, for example, the Suchia interview. The um, the tank scene too. The water tank. Okay, yeah, the water tank. I'm thinking of uh, when we had Shoke, uh, Nakano, the uh, you know the um, the effects director. Yes. On that, we shot that in one day um, at a community center, which you can rent really cheap. Okay. So uh, Nakano, Koizumi, and Suchia, we did those all on the same day. But if you look on the film, they're all the backdrops are completely different. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, like if you look at uh, Nakano, he's like, it looks like he's in this weird hall. And what that was, was like me and the, uh, the, the DP were walking around because we didn't want them to all look like they're shot in the same place. We right, just, next guy in the chair, yeah. you know, type <laughs> of thing. Like we put Koizum in the, on the edge of the stage. So he's actually just sitting on the edge of the stage um, that was in this you know, like community hall. And then for uh, Nakano, we went behind the curtain, and there was like enough light behind the curtain. We set him up on the chair, and it's like it looks like this weird hallway thing with like with like sound padding on the wall. We're like, yeah, this is great. And totally, it's like they all look like different spaces. I mean, that's the type of thing that we kind of like went uh, you know, out of our way to try to make the film as visually attractive and interesting to look at. Um, you know, that's why, you know, the, there's been really good reaction in Japan to the same, to, to my film. And I've been really happy because guys I know from the, the Godzilla set, they've seen the thing. Oh, yeah, Shinada 
who built the Godzilla and GMK, mm-hmm. you know, Shinada, you know, Shinada, Wakasa, Kai Mai Pro, the, you know, the, the big thing. Like, when Shinada was shooting, um, I, I forgot the name of it, but Tezuka did these um, little kaiju film things, like Gaida was in it. This is over at Toho, um, Toho Biruto, just before they destroyed huh. Toho Biruto. But I gave him a copy of it called me up the next day did you direct this Norman this is the documentary I've waited my entire <laughs> life to see and I was like you know that was like the best compliment I that's got that's pretty good because it was like you know that's I worked with Shinada every single day on GMK set you know and one of the things I'm happy was that was kind of also in a way that some people on the Godzilla set were kind of investing their experience in me mm-hmm. so they're investing their ex- experience in me and you know, and I'm supposed to produce something from that experience. That's what a set reporter's supposed to do. A set reporter's like a sponge. You go to the set, you absorb the experience of the set, and then later you turn it into an article or you turn it into something. Yeah. You know, if you just go there and absorb it like a black hole and go out, then you're just you're being very selfish, and yeah. that's not that's not your you haven't fulfilled your function on the set. Right. You know, so I, I have a kind of a duty to all my set experiences that I have over the years for everything to be to turn it into something that I can, you know, to to share that experience. That's my purpose on the set. So one of the things that I did was making the bringing Godzilla down to size doc so that other people could kind of uh, benefit from my experience. And how my experience, I think, uh, affected the thing positively is the people that you see in the film reacted to me because I do have the set experience. That when we were doing um, warm-ups, you know, discussion warm-ups before we shot the thing, a couple of people I don't know, like the old-timers and stuff like that, or even like Nakajima, who sometimes I'm, I'm always doubtful he's going to remember me. Right. You know, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Like sometimes he'll like I've been at parties with him and he'll go to walk as a who's that guy again, and what I mean you know I mean he's you know he's getting up, he's there. Getting up yeah. there, um. But then when I talk to them and then I talk about the set, yeah, and Satsuma, yeah, actually Satsuma on this when we we shot all of those at Wakas's place, but Satsuma's like, you know about this stuff, and he really got you know he puts these guys in a in a relaxed mood. Or yeah, or I even had guys like uh, Kitagawa, you know, who's mm-hmm. the Millennium Godzilla suit actor. He's like, remember that day on the set, Norman, when this was happening? I'm like, yeah. yeah. You know, and then he's right into it. And then he feels like, you know, um, yeah, you know, you know, like, you know, you're talking to a buddy. And I think it shows in the film, in the people's attitudes. Um, and then, so I had that base covered. And then Ed and Steve, what they had covered was, I mean, they're very knowledgeable about Godzilla. And they're very much in love with Godzilla, especially Ed. I mean, Steve, I don't question his, you know, affinity for and love for Godzilla. But I mean, Ed is the guy who's got this kind of very deep, unique love, pure love of Godzilla. So he could win people over with the... um, He could win... Um, our guest speakers, you know, on the thing through his, you know, love and knowledge of the subject. Yes, yes. You know, 
So they were always like impressed, like, you know, this guy knows, he knows, you know, what to, to ask, what to talk about, you know. And then, like I said, you know, the thing that I brought to the table was like, oh, yeah, I mean, this guy's like put hard time in on the sets. You know, he knows the long hours, the sitting around, you know, it's like, okay, is this ready to shoot? Okay, we got to do another rehearsal like this. Just what that's like, you know, and then between that, I think we had all our bases covered. So everybody felt pretty comfortable, you know, working on the thing. So, um, yeah, it turned out really well. I mean, one of, one of my favorite scenes, scenes, yeah, I guess it's a scene, is the, not, uh, Haru Nakajima and Ken Pachiro Satsuma and Tom Kitagawa all walking down the street and talking about how they made Godzilla move and how they found okay, their inspiration. That, I'll tell you, that was my idea. Nice. Okay, that was my idea. And, you know, and this is where I think my experience as a director and working with performers, you know, comes, came into play. And, see, I, I had this idea to do them, you know, kind of doing this kind of physical performance for us. But I wasn't sure that they were really going to do it. Right. So I didn't tell anybody that this is what I wanted to do because I didn't want anyone to like say beforehand because I've had situations where I mean and when you're making a film it's always about the human relationship it's always about talking to somebody getting something out of something like if you're a director you're working with an actor you've got to coax out a performance out of them yes and you can't just say okay sit on the bed and cry yes. you know if you do that it's like what yeah. you know type of thing and then people get resistant and I've worked on films where I've had producers who don't get people and they make requests and then I have to come in and kind of be like da, 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 and then I get it you know so we did the interviews with them first and the interviews went really this is what this is how I plan it we do the interviews we butter them up and we get the whole thing you know really good they see we know what we're talking about we yeah. do that really good and it's like hey you think you guys would mind we like step outside, it's like a beautiful day. You could maybe show us how you, yeah, that's a great idea. I knew, but I knew if I had asked them first, they probably would have said no yeah. right off the bat. But you know, we, we took them outside and I wanted to do that. Like the first time you see them, they're way down the, um, the street. We shot that with um, a long lens. So it gets this kind of filmish effect. It was like beautiful day. We got like kind of spring, you know when you get like those seed things flying in the air, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we got like, this whole feeling of them coming down. No, and these guys were like, you know, and it, it's and that's another thing. It's like, you know, keep the film physical. You know, don't talk about, just about, you know, you, uh, don't intellectualize the performance of Godzilla. Show me how you did Godzilla. Yeah. You know, and then later on during editing, me and my editor, you know, we worked out to superimpose Godzilla over them so you could really get this kind of feeling. Yeah, and I'm really happy. I mean, that section is kind of, it's also quite humorous. You know, those guys are all yeah. really funny guys, especially, I mean, Satsuma. Oh my God, yes, yeah. absolutely. The way he's like, he sort of has that quick jab-like movement as he, it's hilarious, but it's, yeah, and no, he, he talks he, about the animals. Yeah, well, I mean, they're all, everyone studies animals. But yeah. I mean, the thing I like, I mean, I love the dynamic between Nakajima and Satsuma. I mean, Nakajima just completely dismisses Satsuma all the time, you know. <laughs> and Satsuma's always really nervous about Nakajima. And then, then you got Tom, who totally is like, I'm not worthy. 
type of guy, you yeah. know, because he's, you know, I mean, what are you going to do, you know? Um, he's like the first Godzilla suit actor that grew up watching Godzilla, mm. you know, so... No, they're all. I mean, they're good. They're uh, they're an interesting collection of guys, good guys. I mean, that was like a really one of the best days of my life. You know, nice. shooting that. You know, Wakas is there. We shot it over at Wakas's place. Um, yeah, if you go over to Wakas's place and then go outside, walk down where the river is. That's the right where we shot that whole scene yeah. right there. No, so I'm happy about that. That's the type of thing. The other thing is like the water tank. Mm-hmm. You know, we did the the water tank scene. And that was another thing that came out of our discussions when we were doing pre-production planning, going over to uh, Inoue's house and meeting with... Sometimes they'd invite us over, and we would, when Ed, Ed's here, like me and Ed would go over, because it's about like 30... They're like 30 minutes out on the uh, Odaku line from where I live. So we would go over there... I took the Odaku line today. Yeah. <laughs> out a little further. Twice, Ed, actually. Yeah, twice. Um... Yeah, they, you know, they would pick us up at the station, we'd go over, the wives would make us these amazing lunches and stuff, and then we would always talk about stuff, and then Inoue's got all this art and stuff, and Ed's always scanning and photographing, yeah. stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, we went over there saying, you know, we had a meeting with all the guys, and it's like, you know, what do you guys want to do? You know, we were, we'll, we'll interview you. And it seemed like, I mean, the guys, yeah, they, even though they're retired, you know, they still want to do something. Right. So we're like, well, what can you do? Because I really want to get as much, you know, physical stuff into this film. And they're like, you know, and they just had this big water tank there. Well, what can you do with a water tank? Why don't you do, you know, some explosion thing? Yeah, we can do that totally. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do the whole thing great and they, they did that I mean we spent the day we were actually there for two days shooting there we did the first day was just interviews mm-hmm. up in you know Uwe's, um office yes up there and yeah we did that it was a two camera shoot so we really got a lot of coverage on that and I was actually happy because Mike who's the the art director currently like he had never seen me work before you know he just saw me on the set you know taking photos day mm-hmm. in and day out he goes, yeah. he goes to me after we're done shooting I didn't realize you were so serious, Norman. I'm like, what? <laughs> Mickey's a funny guy. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I've known him for for since the set of Gamma Three and stuff. And yeah, yeah I mean, he's awesome art, very serious art director, and um, he's very loyal to um, you know Uwe. Mm-hmm. That was actually an idea of mine is to have Mike involved because Mickey's like um, what I call third generation art direction in Japan. So we really did have, you know, we had like first generation. We didn't really have anyone second generation, but with third generation there. Um, yeah, and then the second day was strictly the um, water tank. And we had kind of had it set as like a rain date. If one day was raining, then we right, would have yeah. flipped it over. Actually, if you look at the interviews, you can see outside it's raining a little bit on some of them. Um, but, but in any case, no, I mean, that day was fantastic. I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, it was like they did the they had the the water tank testing thing before, mm-hmm. and then the the full scale water tank. I mean, it really took a lot of time for them to set it up, and it was really beautiful just to be on hand watching this thing explode. Yeah. You know, and um, Ed and Steve, especially Steve. I mean, 
Ed's been to Godzilla sets before. Steve, it was the closest Steve's ever come to like a traditional, you know, handmade Japanese special effect. So Steve was like, this is it. You know, and I was happy. Steve's a good friend of mine. I like making my friends happy, so he was really happy with that. Is it? It turned out really well on screen. I mean, the I remember when we were watching it with my friends, and uh, they did that in. I think I told them they did it in latitude zero, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, that was the latitude zero tribute shot I mean um, the other thing that I, I want to say that was enjoyable about the film that I think made that really helped make the film was I got Otani to do the music for the movie it's, you know Otani yes. Ko I mean, I mean is it Ko? is that how you say it? you say it Ko? I have been struggling the entire time I've been doing this show If it's, is it Ko or Kao? Kao. okay this is the thing okay he I don't know when I mean I met Otani in 2001 mm -hmm. in spring of two actually on my birthday in April 24th 2001 sitting at my local my local Starbucks and I was doing Kaneko's website preparing the website mm -hmm. for GMK and and I did this like staff profile on everybody and so I'm sit, sitting at my Starbucks I'm thinking man I gotta get uh, Kaneko to inter introduce me to Otani and then right then I look out the window and there's this guy sitting out at the one of the tables outside. I'm like, oh, man, that guy looks like Otani Ko. What? And then uh, I said to one of the guys that works there, I, it was like friendly with one of the guys at Starbucks. I said, do you know that guy? He's like, yeah, he comes here all the time. Is his name Otani? He goes, yeah, I think it is. And so he goes, well, let me go ask. So he walks outside. And, he, and then Otani's like shaking his head yes. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> weird. This is the weirdest thing. <laughs> So I just walked over, I introduced myself, and then nice. and we became friends, you know. Small, I mean, he's like, he's like town, my neighbor. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Otani Ko, you know. So, I mean, he's always done music for my films. Mm. So when, you know, when, when I got the, the Making Godzilla thing, I, I went to him, I was like, you know, I'd really like you. I mean, I think you're the greatest, you know, living composer for kaiju films, you know, because we've lost Ifuku Bay, mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, I, I really think, yeah, uh, Otani's stuff, you know, on Gamera is so fantastic. Yeah, for sure. You know, and no, I like a score for GMK too. Ga actually, Daya spent more on the Gamera soundtracks than Toho did on the Godzilla yeah. ones. Really? I was there for the sessions for huh. the GMK ones, and it was great. I, I love the music in GMK. What, but, uh, was the, the score from GMK, was that all just Otani sitting? There, no, no. I mean, they had a they of... had an orchestra, that, but they had a much smaller orchestra. Okay. Um, Gamera had a full orchestra. Right. One of the things that they did on like uh, I don't know, was it Mega uh, Mechagodzilla was with, uh, it, right with the they went to Russia. They recorded those in Russia because they could really? they could get a full orchestra. Oh wow! For the you know for the money they could get they could get a real orchestra. I think it's on the extras. Hmm. You can see them going over Russia for whatever reason. Wakas's went with them too and stuff, but no, I mean, so I mean, of course, for my thing, it's just all Otani at home doing synthesizer right, yeah. stuff. But I mean, I was really, I mean, I said, it's a, as a kaiju fan, what I'd love you to do is make something that sounds like, you know, Otani and um, Ifukube, 
you know, it's blended together. together. And he totally turned in a right. score like that. And, and and actually, it's like, when we finished the film, it was like me, Otani, and Kaneko went out for dinner one night, and Otani was like, I would have only done that for you. I wouldn't do that for anybody else. No, and I'm really, I'm really happy that no, that music it exists. Out, it did turn out great. And, yeah, and, and the music yeah. helped a lot. Yeah. You know. And you got Alex Cox to narrate? Um, yeah, Steve got Alex Steve Scott. Got Alex, Scott. Yeah, and, and I did not meet Alex. I mean, Alex did a wonderful job. I'm really happy. Um, uh, he recorded in California, I think up north, and Steve's down in L.A. So he did some sort of like internet um, link link up so that he could like monitor just the pronunciation and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Before he did that, um, uh, me and Alex exchanged a lot of emails. I gave him directions, the kind of tone that I wanted to have. Um, you know, what the film was about, you know, uh, blah, 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 you know, all the, that type of stuff. And I did want to mention my story with, uh, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, the first mail that I sent to Alex, like, oh yeah, um, hi Alex, this is Norman, I'm the director of Bring Godzilla Down to Size. Just got to say, Repo Man, one of my favorite movies. I quote it, I think, daily. Okay, with that out of the way, <laughs> okay, let's get down to business. No, I just uh, and yeah, so it was kind of thrilling to work with him. I mean, I mean this. I, I think Repo Man's yeah one of my top fifty movies. So all together, instead of me talking about how I don't know Repo Man very much, uh, all together, <laughs> the uh, the entire production. Uh, how how was that received here in Japan? Okay, well that's um, kind of interesting because I have not been able to get Toho to approve any screenings in hmm. Japan. And, you know, they claim it's a rights issue. Um, up at U-Body uh, International Film Festival, they, they saw the film, and they, they keep begging me to show it. And I'm like, I, it's really... Classic Media gave Toho the copyright on my film. Right. So, I mean, I don't own it. Right. That's why I've seen torrents oh, on it. I've seen torrents online. I'm like, I write on like Facebook, download to your heart's content. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so the I have uh, this. I'm not bragging, but I have a really big projection system at home, and um, it. I wish I had like a high res version of that. Uh, Is there? Right. Are there plans to re-release that on Blu-ray? Uh, you're, you're talking to the, the wrong, wrong guy. guy. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I really, I would be very surprised. I mean, we shot, we shot it um, HD. Mm -hmm. We did shoot it HD, but it's not. Uh, we shot it HD. We shot it, shot at 720p. Mm -hmm. um, it really wasn't the. Um, the full HD uh, yeah, 1180 okay. was really yeah. not I mean because this is like it was 2008 yeah so, so 720 and 1080 but like 10 yeah yeah my, so the, yeah, I, the, I mean my projector only does 720 so okay. it's good either way well there's a lot but there's a lot of I mean uh, 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 some of the films I've worked here in Japan yeah like um Tokyo Gore, I think Tokyo Gore Police was 720, huh. and Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl was 720. Well, you can get them 1080. Right. You yeah. know, so I mean, you upconvert those things. You don't get more resolution, but but we did shoot it at 720. Okay. So, but it would still have to be re-rendered out. You know, it would have to be like contacting my editor. 
it would have to be he would have to edit uh, render out an HD version of the film. Mm-hmm. So I would hear about that. Yeah, you know, like I don't classic media is the yeah the classic. Me- I don't think classic do media is really that. You know, I mean, I don't want to. You know that I don't think that they're really that. They don't really care all that much. Really. Yeah, I think what I heard. I mean, I'll just say this because we were, you know, what what I was told, and if I had anything to gripe about the film, I'm very grateful that I was able to make the film, and very grateful to Classic Media for financing the film. But I mean, I was told that it would have its own box, it would have its own art, oh, you know, okay. and then it just became a footnote on the back of the uh, gargantuas yeah. um, Rodan disc and the, the I, I like the way the disc looks and everything like that but it was just really like you know there are no chapter stops on the thing oh, like, yeah. like what okay you know I mean I'm not really involved in that end of the thing I mean that's you know I and I was kind of prepared for that because I guess theoretically it's my only other than the you know, all the movies that I make are really just low-budget, independent types of things. That's my kind of uh, first um, real, like, production kind yes, of. Yes, yeah. I mean, recently I've been shooting a lot of my own, um, you know, extras for... Actually, I've got something coming out in November with uh, that I shot. I shot it and edited it myself. Um, there's a Nishimura who did Tokyo Gore Police and co-directed Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. His new film called Hell Driver, which is a kind of zombie epic thing um, for Nikatsu. So I did a 20-minute um, film, kind of from on when they had the the opening night in the, the summer here. I like interviewed everybody. It's just completely oh, cool. wacky. Um, cause, and, and, and there's another thing is like I know everybody yes I know yeah. everybody that I interviewed all the actors I know all the actors and they're actually the actors are interacting with me you know making fun of me but I, I've got them in a kind of a it's a pretty it, it came out really well and, cool. and that's like I guess I, you know so I, I've sort of started doing more of this type of stuff um but what I was going to say is when you sometimes when you make these films and and, and I see this with a lot of directors here is yeah you know, they make the films and after you've made the film you completely lose control of the film mm. more so I think you have more um, protection in Hollywood system because of the unions people can badmouth unions all they want but you know unions really can protect a person's work. I mean, that's why they were formed in the first place because right. um, people were being, it wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like unions were formed, even labor un, un, unions were formed because people were being overworked, you know? I mean, there was like seven day work weeks, you know? Yeah. And, and they were really at the mercy. Um, in Japan, they have a director's union, mm-hmm. but it's really like a bunch of guys just hanging out. Oh. They have absolutely no influence or any power whatsoever. That's my kind of union. You know, so <laughs> they're just hanging out drinking beer, you yeah. know. And no, I know, like, uh, Kaneko said some things to me. He's had trouble on how he hasn't liked how some films have been handled. He's gone to the director's union and they're just like, what can we do? Mm. You know, so you're really. So that was kind of, in a way, it's like I'm, I'm kind of like was prepared to. So it's basically, you know, they, they hired me, I shot the thing, I did the best job I could, I enjoyed doing the thing, I'm satisfied with how it came out. 
after that yeah there you go so to answer in my very long way <laughs> i really have no idea i would love a blu-ray version to come out but yeah. i really um you know i i've actually had people i actually I, i've had um people in the uk who release things that I've, I've done other work for shooting other extras for they're they've been trying to get it for release in the uk but the, nego the negotiations just haven't gone through mm. on that. That is a bummer for people in the UK. Well, it is for me. I mean, it's my, you know, it's my work. Yeah. You know, like I said. And the other thing, too, the only, an, uh, another thing that I would say that's kind of annoying about it is one of the things the film's about is about Inoue, who really didn't get a lot of recognition for his contribution to the Godzilla series. That's one of the things, like Mike, um, uh, all the all the guys, you know, one of the things that they're most grateful for the existence of the film is that it tells Inoue's story. Yeah. Now, by not letting it be shown, is almost like what, you know, that's almost disrespectful to Inoue. Yeah. You know, and that guy's really in his twilight years right now. You know, I was there um, earlier this year. I guess that's the last time I saw him. God, I haven't seen him in a while. I should stop by. I mean, his wife died last year. Reiko, real lovely woman. I mean, yeah, when we were shooting um, Bringing Godzilla Down to Size, his wife, Reiko, was like totally like, you know, making us food, you know, seeing that we're all happy and stuff. And she's a wonderful artist also. It was a very interesting relationship they had. And it was kind of a, a shocker because his health is was always worse than hers. Oh. Oh, that's terrible. You know, and then suddenly, like, like everyone knows, oh, yeah, Inoue, he'll be the first one to go. Yeah. And then she went before him, you know. I went to the, the funeral just as my way to kind of pay respects to okay. him and to her, you know. And, um, yeah, so it's like, I, that's one of the, the motivations, too, is like, I, I'd like to get it shown, you know, more. In, I'd like to get it shown in Japan. Yeah. You know, so that people could regular people could have access to Inoue's story you know but, but uh, Toho's well I don't really know I mean I can't say one way or the other because I'm, I'm I know that people have said Norman we'd like to show your movie I'm like okay you're gonna have to talk to the people who own the film right you know and here they are and then they'll say oh it didn't go we couldn't work anything out huh. okay or they might say oh you know it's really they say it's just licensed for North America. Interesting. Which it is. You know, and then they, they'll say, like, the footage, the clips that we use are licensed only for North America. Okay. So we're talking lawyer speak here. Yeah. You know, uh, that, yeah. so, and I really, I mean, I really, I, I mean, I can't, one of the things I've, I've learned, and I, I think everybody, when they get a little older, is that, you know, you realize that, like, you can't, there are things you can't control. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if you're going to, uh, and I, the the crazy people are the ones who refuse to let go, you know, as they get older. You know, those are the guys that walk into a post office, you know, <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know, and, and, and also to survive in the film business because there's a lot of ego and there's a lot of um, just, you know, uh, how can I, I mean, the, the people in, in the film business and in, just, in, in Japan, I mean, for one thing, the film business in Japan is not like it is in the U.S. I mean, mm -hmm. Americans love cinema. You know, we're, we're like a cinema culture place. So we kind of, these people are up kind of high. 
in Japan, I, I should try to wrap this up. Yeah, because I, I got to think. Eat. And this gonna, is so long. Yeah. For you. I just can talk forever. <laughs> Let me just finish this thought. Yeah. So, um, in Japan, the the movie industry is kind of looked down upon. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, uh, uh, I mean, it's really not. Even though people like films here, they don't respect the people in the in the movie business. Really? You know, it's seen as like um, low class. Um, actors, you shouldn't go out with actors. I mean, it's a very different That's point amazing. of view. No, I mean, and and I mean, of course, Japanese like films, but as a society, they look down on the film industry itself, the yeah. TV industry. You know, so it's kind of uh, yeah, it's kind of odd. Yeah. You know, so you wind up with um, yeah. When Kaneko was shooting Crossfire, we had this night where. Of these drunk guys. It was a Sunday afternoon in Idabashi in front of this restaurant. We've got like um, Momoi Kaori, who's one of the biggest actresses mm. around, um, and uh, shooting a scene. And then these two drunk guys, you know, afternoon drunk guys come by, get out of our neighborhood. They start ripping cables out. The police come by wow. and they have a permit, you know, to shoot. And it's a Toho film. And the police are like, well, you know, these guys, they live here. We have to listen to what? What the, 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 the requests of the neighborhood. Wow. Like, these guys are drunk out of their mind. Wow. And in the U.S., like in New York, you know, New York, man, I've, I've walked by, like, I've looked at sets. And in New York, Scott, it's like police, movie police force. That's all they do. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, kid, you know, get out of here. You know, like, what? <laughs> you know, they say worse things than that, the yeah. New York City police, you yeah. know? It was, it was like, I, I, I've been inconvenienced greatly by film sets in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You know, and here it's like, man, no, because you cannot impose on the neighborhood. You know, everything, it's always like bicycles come, everything stops. Bicycle coming through, bicycle coming through, and everyone's like, you know, sumasen, sumasen, you know, apologizing to everyone coming by. Wow. You know, and it's just, you know, so it's kind of looked down upon the yeah. whole industry. So um, it would be nice to get the get it shown more. And well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I try <laughs> to encourage it. I try to encourage it as many people as possible to watch the watch the documentary. Yeah, that's great. Um, I would uh, I would definitely pick that up if it came out on the, the Blu-ray. It's a. Uh, yeah. Yeah, especially if you've got a big screen, and that's that's yeah. that's why Blu-rays are in existence because DVDs look like crap on the yeah. bigger screens. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some there's some decent up converting, but yeah. still. But anyway, uh, I this is probably a good spot for us to yeah. wrap it up. Norman, thank you so much for hanging out and and talking with me about this stuff. I well, I, I like talking. I mean, you know, we're all kaiju fans and the uh we are not legion (laughs) (laughs) uh we are not as many as we should be right so no i mean and we should yeah definitely no it's it's very kyle is very enjoyable well next time i come to tokyo i'll be here for longer yeah you need more time no there's a lot and there you go that was the interview with norman england uh as you could probably tell i was getting pretty tired uh especially towards the latter half of that interview long day in japan and um uh you know we're just going to go ahead and move on to our next stuff which is pretty much the news 
and then they're going to follow that up with some local events. Um, one thing I do want to say before I go into the news is that this interview is obviously recorded before Yasutsuki uh, Inoue died earlier this year. So um, definitely kind of I was listening to the interview as I was sort of editing it and I was like, oh man, I really should have played this uh, towards the beginning of the year. But uh, that's pretty much all I can say about that. So let's go move over to the Kaiju Cast news desk. United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So we don't have a lot of news to cover, uh, you know, as per usual here at the Kaiju Cast. Uh, a couple things I wanted to alert you guys to. Um, recently, uh, Sci-Fi Japan has worked with a group in uh, in Tokyo, I think, well, I should just say in Japan, called the Gaijin Channel. And uh, they have just launched a brand new web series called Sci-Fi Japan TV. I highly suggest checking it out. It's uh, The first episode has to do with Ultraman, but the next episode is going to have to do with that Tokusatsu Museum exhibit that I was talking about in the last episode of the Kaiju Cast. And, um, it, you know, to be perfectly honest, uh, it's about time that we had some sort of, like, dedicated video for, for the kind of stuff that we like to see. So check the show notes for a link to that article uh, and the video itself on Sci-Fi Japan. Also on Sci-Fi Japan, um, uh, there's an Ultraman art exhibit in uh, in Japan, Tokyo, I believe, and that is about to close. Is it really? Uh, it's not super in depth, but it's got some information about it. So, especially if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, and you want to check out that exhibit, uh, look for that information uh, as well. Here's a is an interesting bit of uh, information that I was forwarded today by a listener, and um, I actually saw it kind of come through the Facebook, uh, the Facebook feed through. I think it was Matt Frank, uh, Criterion, uh, you know, who produced this amazing Godzilla DVD, is actually producing um, one of the lesser known giant monster films from Japan, The X from Outer Space. They're putting that out on DVD as a um, box set of Shochiku films, uh, which is a, uh, the, the company, the, the uh, studio that put out that film. They are pro- producing a box set of a whole bunch of those movies. Uh, I think it's going to be out in November or something like that, later this year for sure. I always considered The Extra Matter Space to be like a parody, but I think that might be Gappa. One of those two films is sort of supposed to be a parody film. Um, they're both hilarious in their own rights. They're both low, lower budget films from like 66, 67, and uh, both from two different studios trying to cash in on the giant monster uh, phenomenon that was uh, booming in a sense in Japan at the time. Anyway, uh, I'll have a link in the show notes to the actual Criterion page, which shows that entire box set and what other films come in that. Speaking of DVD releases, another... Uh, point of interest to Godzilla fans around the United States, at least, is that Media Blasters has finally started shipping their Godzilla vs. Megalon DVDs. Now, these are bare-bones DVDs. They come with the the dubbed version and the Japanese version with English subtitles. And um, I am unfortunately not going to buy that because I'm just waiting until it comes out on Blu-ray. I've already got the uh, subtitled version from Japan. Uh, 
you know, I haven't heard if it's if it's a great transfer or not, but I would I would hope that with the amount of time and effort that Media Blasters put into this release before it happened, uh, I would hope that it's a it's a really great uh, presentation. So if you if you get it out there, I'd love to, I'd love to know what you think about it. Moving on to local events, uh, there's a few of these out out there in the Portland area. I just want to let you guys know some stuff, especially if you're in or around Portland. Uh, and especially if you're interested in any of these items that I'm bringing up, because these are all really cool. Again, as I said before, check out geekportland.com for all of your geeky sort of scheduling needs. I I mean, seriously, I had a hard enough time dealing with all the different stuff that was going on in Portland. Now I, uh, I don't have a hard time finding it. I have a hard time figuring out what I want to go to. And these are the, uh, these are the events that I'm, I'm, personally saying that are, are should be pretty awesome around town um every weekend in august both saturday saturday and sunday at 5 p.m atomic arts is presenting trek in the park once again this year the episode is journey to babel we actually went last weekend and it was absolutely amazing it's in cathedral park this year uh like i said the show starts at 5 p.m and uh, really it's just totally worth going it's a fantastic time it's free and uh the atomic arts crew does an amazing job um additionally on the 17th at 8 p.m geek lesk reruns not returns reruns so basically if you have missed any of the geek lesk performances that uh have happened throughout the the last year and a half or so uh they're going to be bringing back some of the most popular acts for that uh on the 19th of august at 6 p.m., Molly Lewis and the Double Clicks are playing at Bridge City Comics. On the 21st, uh, at the Kennedy School, 7 p.m., Geek Trivia, hosted by Court and Fatboy. On the 24th, at 7.30 p.m., Hecklevision at the Hollywood Theater presents Batman and Robin, the uh, Joel Schumacher film. That, I you just have to follow the link to see what that's about, because it's that is actually something I'm interested in checking out, because it seems hilarious uh anyway the the next item on this list is actually very very apt to be on this podcast uh and hopefully i will talk about it in the next episode on the 25th of august at 8 p.m film music is presenting gamera versus zegra at Sewellcrest park in southeast portland these are the same guys that we talked about doing gamera versus giron gamera versus baragon and um at one point they did the turkish star wars and what they do, just to reiterate, for those who haven't heard those episodes, is they put on uh, the movie in the background with no sound. They have a small, probably like a quintet of people playing music, making the soundtrack, some Foley artists doing their own sound effects, and voice actors reading the script. And it's just so cool. Um, it's it's interesting to watch at first, and then at some point you forget there are people doing it, and you just get to enjoy the movie. It's um, definitely worth checking out. That is also free. Uh, and like I said, that will be in Sewellcrest Park. On the 26th of August at Ground Control, you know, the world's best video game arcade, uh, at 7 p.m. they're having the video game quiz show, which is kind of like a Jeopardy-style uh, quiz show about uh, video game stuff. And that uh, is Sunday the 26th. On the 30th of August at 9 p.m., also at Ground Control is No Pun Nintendo, which is uh, basically a comedy show at Ground Control. 
Make sure to check the show notes for um, for links to these items. There's also one more thing. This is not in August, but this is in uh, September. It's a new comic book convention that's coming to town and hopefully going to happen again and again. Uh, the Rose City Comic Con comes to the Doubletree Hotel uh, September 8th and 9th. And um, there's going to be a lot of really cool stuff there. They keep announcing new guests, which is quite amazing and actually really... Um, really makes me interested to go to this thing so hopefully you will check it out as well we need to wrap this up because i'm already like uh almost at an hour and a half here um i did want to give a big giant radioactive shout out to joshua habito for donating an sh monster arts meltdown godzilla to the kaiju cast headquarters it looks awesome i'm actually staring at it right now it's in my case with uh my burning godzilla kyoto uh, model kit and my m- uh, meltdown not meltdown it's the it's sort of like a meltdown godzilla figure it's the one where he's sort of like black and red and clear vinyl anyway uh from bandai this is the smaller version not the super expensive godzilla forever version but i digress it is amazing thank you so much dude i really appreciate it you've got uh, some good karma and some kaiju cast stuff coming your way pretty soon also, big ups to Kevin D'Antonio for hooking me up with another one as well. Uh, and uh, you might be seeing uh, a fundraiser, which will include one of these guys uh, coming up in the next few months. A KaijuCast fundraiser, as it were. Um, also, a forgotten shout out to Thomas Fitch for providing comics during the uh, the G-Fest panel. I really appreciated that, and it was pretty cool to see um all the people from the audience swarmed the table before the next uh, panel started. Uh, anyway, I have to. We have to get moving. So, just a reminder: uh, if you want to take part in the Daikaiju discussion this month, it's Gorath, the 1962 film Gorath, and um, we're going to be watching it sometime around the 23rd. So, make sure you get your thoughts, questions, and reviews submitted to controller at kaijucast.com via email with the subject of daikaiju discussions uh before august 23rd um i think that's pretty much it if i forgot something i'll probably kick myself later uh if you found the kaiju cast through itunes or some other podcast directory and you want to see everything that we're talking about show notes uh episode list daikaiju discussion schedule just point your web browser to kaijucast.com and uh just that you know everything is on there um, if you want to send an email to me and tell me what you like about the show, don't like about the show, uh, all that's good stuff. Just communicate with me. My email address is controller at kaijucast.com. We are on Facebook. And at this time I am specifically soliciting for uh, new likes and, and, um, fans of the Facebook page. Um, at the time of this recording, it looks like I have 989. So I really only have like, what is that? 11 people till I get a thousand. Um, and trust me, a thousand is a number that I've heard will help me, the Kaiju cast get into future, uh, conventions and so forth so that I can interview important people. Wouldn't it be awesome if someday I get to interview Guillermo del Toro about Pacific Rim, you can help make it happen. So if you don't already like the Kaiju cast Facebook page, uh, please do, especially if you're on Facebook, if you know a friend that likes the Kaiju cast, they're not liking the Kaiju cast Facebook page. I would really, really appreciate any extra uh, fans of that page. Additionally, uh, we're also on Twitter, 
And we do have a Tumblr page. And I have been using the Tumblr page like crazy. Uh, basically, that's kaijucast.tumblr.com. Also, twitter.com slash kaijucast is the address for the Twitter feed. Uh, follow us. Check us out. Uh, I'm trying to do a lot of work to make sure that you know my actions don't become stale with the KaijuCast. And I, I think uh, people appreciate that. If you're not on Facebook, that's cool. Check out the Tumblr page. Uh, and also, last but not least, please, please try and subscribe to the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other RSS reader feed kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to get those numbers up as well. I know I have a lot of people that listen to the show, and I know I know a lot of people listen to it um, directly from the website, which is totally fine as well. Uh, I'm kind of rambling now, so I think I'm just going to go ahead and uh, close this out. The last song we are going to play, and none of these were requests. These were all just stuff I thought would, would be cool to play, is actually a song called... Oh, uh, Mothra heads to Akasaka. This is by Akira Ifukube. It is from the 1992 Godzilla vs. Mothra. We will see you later this month, or you'll hear us later this month, when we get to talk about uh, the 1962 Gorath. But until then, Jamata. Jamata. <laughs> 